You're listening to the Alchemy of Self podcast with Romza. The world is currently in a state of rebirth. All of the systems we have inherited are collapsing and failing us as a species. It's time for us to come together and create something out of nothing. If you crave deeper purpose, unshakable strength, and a life aligned with your truth, this is for you. This is for you if you are curious and not afraid to ask questions. This podcast is for those searching for their purpose and those ready to step into their full potential. For lovers of truth and those ready for masculine medicine, this podcast is an adventure that gives voice to a journey of healing, discovery, and embodiment. We'll challenge the old narratives we inherited and forge a new path. Join us in this fearless exploration of the multiple dimensions of being human, breathwork, mindset, healing the body, detox, and how to use the gentle way of jujitsu to make you unstoppable in your wellness, business, life, relationships, and more. Our deepest fear is not that we are inadequate. Our deepest fear is that we are powerful beyond measure. It is our light, not our darkness, that most frightens us. We ask ourselves, who am I to be brilliant, gorgeous, talented, fabulous? Actually, who are you not to be? You are a child of God. Your playing small does not serve the world. There is nothing enlightened about shrinking so that other people won't feel insecure around you. We are all meant to shine, as children do. We were born to make manifest the glory of God that is within us. It is not just in some of us, it's in everyone. And as we let our own light shine, we unconsciously give people permission to do the same. As we are liberated from our own fear, our presence automatically liberates others. Hey guys, welcome back to Our Deepest Fear with your host, Rome Zah. Today, I'm here with a very special guest. He is probably our most handsome guest that we've ever had on this show. For sure, one of the most muscular. He's a husband to his high school sweetheart, Joanne, and a father to their son, Anthony. He was born and raised in Brooklyn, New York. He started racing bicycles at the age of eight and began his journey into martial arts at the age of 11 after being robbed at gunpoint. He is a lifetime fitness advocate was dedicated to helping as many people as he can physically, emotionally, and mentally. In 2007, he watched as his mother battled cancer for three years. This drove his desire even more so into the health and fitness industry. He's the co-founder of the gym Badass Academy and the author of Wahoos in Life. Wahoos is the acronym for We All Have Our Own Shit in Life, a self-help and motivational book. Anthony truly believes his success is attributed to strict discipline all around which keeps him consistent, drives his passion for all that he does, and fuels his fight inside to become the best version of himself. Anthony always says, if I can be good for me, I can be good for first and foremost, my family and everyone else around me. So welcome to the show, Anthony Esposito. Thank you, Rome. I appreciate the intro and the love. And of course, for having me on today. It means a lot. Thank you so much. What kind of martial arts did you start with? So I started off with uh, Taekwondo. So the, when I was robbed at 11 years old, 
uh, the next day, my mom's like, you're, you're going into karate. That's it. And I've never left. I love it. Where yeah. was it in Brooklyn though? You got robbed at gunpoint. So I was going to school, um, to McKinley junior high school. And I would walk through McKinley Park. Some of the kids would hang out, play basketball, or, uh, you know, do some whatever junior high school kids did. And a kid, one of the kids that I went to school with, he said, oh, come here for a second. I want to talk to you. I said, sure, what's up? He asked me about some girl that he was dating because I went to elementary school with her. So as we're speaking about it, some other guy came over and asked us if we wanted to sell drugs. So we said no, of course. He goes in his bag. He's like, let me show you. He pulls out a gun and sticks it in my face. So he said, he said, run your shit. I said, run, run my shit. What? I, I wasn't even sure what he was uh, speaking about. And then obviously he was, he was robbing us, but more or less me because it was a setup. So that's how that happened. Fuck, bro. I, I've been part yeah. of so many of those in my life. It's, it's <laughs> like growing up in Brooklyn, it's almost like, I wouldn't say an everyday thing, but it could be a monthly thing that like, it might not be something that you're directly associated with, but one of your buddies gets fucking robbed or like yes. one of their buddies, you just hear about it. Totally. Oh, oh, you got a dollar and that's where it starts. You know what I mean? Yes. That's the fucking, Snowballs. That's the snowball. So you grew up in, where'd you go to high school? I went to uh, Fort Hamilton high school, right where we played handball, where, where, where you, where, where you playing. spanked me in handball. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> <laughs> Bro, you know what's crazy is like, I don't know people outside of like uh, New York that know, that even know what handball is. Really? It's just like an East Coast prison thing. Maybe, or, or just in LA. I know they- uh, Yeah, in I LA. Think- yeah, they play Anywhere LA where there's sure. prisons. Anywhere where there's a lot of prisons, bro, people play fucking handball. I think you're right. <laughs> what, what were you like as a kid growing up? So growing up, um, very wild in a sense of, in a daring way. You know, if, if there was a flight of stairs to jump on my bicycle, I was going down a flight of stairs. If someone said I couldn't ride up that flight of stairs, I was riding my bike up. You know, we were, you know, as kids growing up, the bicycle was the car, right? We lived on them, whether it was manhunt, whether it was bike tag, whether it was transportation, it was, it was everything. So for me, it was really, you know, some basketball, a lot of handball, um, martial arts, and it was a lot of work too, in a sense that, you know, physical work. My mother, she, she was a drill sergeant, so she kept us so like to a schedule that it wouldn't give us room to fuck up. You know what I'm saying? Or to make uh, more mistakes than what we already made. So I was at the bicycle store um, working every single day right after school. There was no ifs, ands, or buts about it. She, she cracked that whip, and that's it. We ran. I love it. What kind of bike did you have growing up? I had a Harrow growing up. Me too. And, uh, I had a Harrow Revo, bro. Harrow Revo. Wow. I had a Harrow Edge. I'll tell you another story. So from the age of 10 years old to 18, I delivered newspapers, right? Every morning, 5 a.m., deliver newspapers. I was delivering my last newspaper one day, and this person wanted it in the mailbox. So I'm walking up to, up to two flights of stairs. You know, it was like four stairs and then a flight to get to the mailbox. I put the paper in the mailbox. I, as I turn around, some guy jumps on my bike and, and takes off with it. I didn't get another good bike for about two years. I'm telling you, I was scarred. Scarred. Oh. Bro, yeah. I don't know anybody that didn't get their bike stolen growing up. Oh, it was bad. 
you know? And then when we were growing up too, there were kids, whenever we would be riding our bikes, if there was a person riding their friend on pegs, we knew we had to ride faster because that Hell, person, I was just about right? to say that, yes. <laughs> like a huge group of dudes where half would be on pegs, half would be on the bike. Yes. And you know what they're all out to do. Yes, yes. Especially so, when you would drive by the projects, bro. Like, you know that it is very possible that you're going to be walking back home. <laughs> but, like, sometimes you need to get to Garrison Beach and there's no other way to get there. Yeah. <laughs> You know, we used to ride underneath the Manhattan Bridge. There used to be the banks, right? So skaters, rollerbladers, and bikers used to be there. So we would ride our bikes down 4th Avenue. You know, sunset was fine. But then when we got to, to Red Hook and then down by the Barclay Center, which is not what it looks like today, we had to reserve our energy because we had to pedal our asses off to get through those areas because they were pretty rough. Yeah. For sure. I mean, things have changed so much, man. Like, I, I, yeah. it's crazy. Like, you, you have to, like, reserve your energy, tuck your chain. Uh, yeah. like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Mm. Like, focus. <laughs> yeah. That, that, that was the life of growing up as, like, a poor white boy in Brooklyn. <laughs> yes. yes. Or, like, lower middle class, whatever. So, yeah. you're, growing up, your family, like, what did your parents do? So, my, my dad, uh, my parents were divorced since I'm five. And my mom, she worked a couple different jobs. And one of them being, she worked at a bicycle store. This man named Peter Esposito happened to have the same last name as me. No relation at all. Very, he was a very nice gentleman. Unfortunately, he died of cancer some years later. Um, but my mother purchased that business from him. And I grew up in that business. So that's how I wound up being in that industry for, wow. for some time. Yeah. Is that, is that how you met Doc? Yeah, so so Ian, you know, Dr. Stern, he used to come into the bicycle store because his practice was up, literally up the block. So I met him from there. And, you know, when I was younger, I was, I was very hard-headed and stubborn and you don't want to take advice from anyone. So he would come in and, um, you know, always throw out some, some messages and stuff like that, you know. And one day I'm, I'm in the bagel store getting some stuff and, and I was, dude, I was out of it. I was coming down with a cold or something. So he's like, you okay? I said, yeah, I just feel out of it, you know? So he goes, look, if I write down a list of herbs and some stuff to buy, will you buy it? I said, yeah, sure, I'll, I'll get it. And I wound up doing it and uh, just to try, I tried it for like a couple of days and I don't know if it did anything, I can't remember. Um, but then I said, you know what? Let me, let me give him a chance. So, and that, that's how it happened. Wow. I mean, when yeah. I fir when I first met him, um, I was at my fucking end of the rope, bro. I was gonna kill myself. When yeah, I that bad, him. huh? Yeah, I was like fucked up. Four herniated discs, like torn rotators. I was all fucked up, and wow. they wanted to use my neck at twenty two. So wow. I made a post on Facebook. I went to like a almost a dozen, probably a dozen different like specialists, and they were like, "We can mm -hmm. give you cortisone shots, but eventually you're gonna have to fuse your neck because your neck's so fucked up." I wasn't sleeping, like I couldn't compete, nothing. Mm -hmm. And then I made a post on Facebook, and this girl, Kerry, that used to work in the thing, yeah, she, yeah, rollerblades, yeah, she was like, "My boss can help you." Like he said, he'll put you back together. And I was yeah. like, "Fuck it, I'm gonna try it." And I went there and. I, I was going there like three, four times a week at a certain point, I believe it. but three months later, you know, like, I mean, he's one of the reasons why I opened up my Academy, why I dropped out of school. I was going to ask you that on how you started uh, the hero, hero jujitsu, right? What's the exact name again? 
Well, it was Hero Academy, but I actually have Hero. an academy in Brooklyn too. Oh, really? That, that's how I met Doc. Um, like, I was all fucked up from competing in New York. Uh, well, like all those states and shit. And then um, yeah. he put me back together and I was in nursing school at the time. Actually, I was in pre-med and then I pivoted to nursing school. And I was like, this fucking sucks. I don't want to wipe people's asses. And yeah. I kept telling him, I was like, man, I just want to like teach. And because I was so injured, I couldn't compete at, at that point. So I started teaching and it blew up. Like it blew up and it didn't even blow up because I was like so great at jujitsu. Like I was pretty good, but like people remember me from back in the day when I used to scrap and they were like, oh, I, I want to learn how to do that. Like, cause I, I was always <laughs> confident. Like I was small, but I would fuck dudes up. And yeah. like, even if I would take my licks, like they would remember me. Like there was nobody yeah, yeah. I've ever scrapped with that doesn't remember me. Um, and it was just like, eventually, you know, like little by little. And I was like, fuck, like I'm making five grand a month cash right now. Like I won't be able to do that in nursing my first year. And um, I started telling doc and, you know, he's one of the first people that believed in me. And I opened up an academy. Eventually I talked him into coming to train, bro. And I swear to God, on the first day of training, he tore all, like all of his rib cartilage on one side. The first fucking day, he couldn't adjust. He was like, he, his rib would pop when he would do the adjustment. Uh, that's Crazy. awesome. <laughs> yeah, that's he's incredible, story. man. So when yeah, you were he's, young, uh, go ahead. No, no, go ahead, go ahead. Sorry, bro. No, he's just he's he's incredible. He's gifted. I I say it. He's a gifted, passionate healer. Yeah, a hundred percent. Exactly that. He's a healer. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And he's humble and he's full of humility yeah. and he's just like, he's just like an incredible, he's like the, one of the kindest people I've ever met in my life, if not the kindest person I've ever met. He is. Like, and he's- you know what? Me- meeting him for the first time, being from Brooklyn, somebody might say, no, nah, this, this guy's bullshit. He's not for real. But if you're from Brooklyn and really have been through the ringer and back, you could be able to, to really say, okay, you know what? Nah, this guy is for real. Because yeah. he is, you know? He's the real deal. I mean, honestly, like, I've traveled all over the world, and I get work done everywhere I go just to, like, compare them to Doc. And I right. swear, like, I haven't met one practitioner in anything that comes close to what he can do with his hands and, like, just his energy. When, when I come in there, Agreed. I already feel better. Like, Agreed. he doesn't even have to touch me. I just feel better. Agreed. Totally. Yeah, I mean, Doc for president. And, and yeah, totally. You for, you for vice president, bro. I'll take VP. Stand next to that man's side all day. I'll do for it. Sure, bro. I'll hold, I'll hold this junk if I need to, bro. <laughs> <laughs> what did you want to be when you grew, when you were growing up? Um, I had no clue and I didn't figure out what I wanted to be until maybe around 30, 31 years old. And that was after having the gym open for about a year or so. And that's when I figured out, this is what I want to do. You know, because first of all, I, I owned a bicycle store. I owned a jewelry store. I was hustling, selling cars, motorcycles, dirt bikes, watches, you know, because it was easy in Brooklyn, you know, before social media got tremendous, right? And I'm sure you could relate to this growing up over here. It was, all right, you went out, I would go out and I would, I would Friday at Friday, the Friday, during the day, Friday, I would take my motorcycle. I would go down to the diamond uh, district. I'd spend X amount of dollars, get X amount of watches. I'd come back 
by Sunday, they were gone. Friday and Saturday night, I'd see people out and they were gone, you know, and just being around, that's, that's how you did it. Social media wasn't like, I have this for sale, come and get it, you know, so they didn't have such a, such a wide um, variety to choose from, right? For so sure. I was doing that and um, I, tell, I tell Jose one day, I, uh, Jose's uh, one of my best friends, I think you met him. He, he and I own a gym together. I tell him, I say, listen, why don't we teach boot camp in the park, right? And this is, I was training outdoors in the park on the bars before it really blew up and got popular. And he's like, yeah. I said, yeah, let's, let's do it. He said, let's do it for free. I said, and now, now I, my re response was, I'm like, yeah. He's like, yeah. So that's what we did. We had four people and then it, it you know, it multiplied to like, I think 40 people by the end of the summer. We went through the winter. By the following summer, we had about 130 to 150 people per class in the park. Wow. For free. And him and I, you know, he's trained martial arts um, since he's young too as well, which when I was 17, 18, I wound up transferring to train under him, which is Iron Octopus. It's eight different styles, uh, which I still do currently till to this very day. Um, so we, we always wanted to open up a dojo and here we are, we opened up a gym and you know, the rest is history. And from, there was, there was a point in my life at around 30, 31 years old, I was married. I had my son, my son, Anthony. And I said, this is, this is what I want to do. I'm able to impact people's lives on a daily basis, daily basis. It's not even like, you know, here and there, you know, if someone tells you, Hey Rome, Hey, you know, you look great. Uh, you know, they give you a compliment, right? Which is nice to hear, of course. It's very rewarding. But I'm able to get somebody to tell me thank you almost every single day, and it never gets old. So that's that's where I'm at. And um, I'm planning to grow, obviously, as you know, like you said. You know, I'm, uh, I wrote a book uh, for self-help and motivation. It's a great book, man. I, I, I thank read you. through it. I really enjoyed it. Thank you, man. You know, it's all real-life experiences. I abbreviate. Uh, I put initials for people so i don't expose them but also keep it interesting in the book for the people that i've met and the experiences that i had i'm writing a second book on fitness and uh, nutrition and recovery the three parts that are 100 percent each to to anyone's fitness game which then portrays into your life in general as you know for sure i mean that like i knew that i was able to trend like i started i started working out with the bowflex when i was like right. eight probably um, mm -hmm. my dad used to come home from work and he used to just like crush the Bowflex and I used to like wind up doing the same shit. And, um, eventually he taught me how to lift weights and all that stuff. But like, I realized that like my body was changing and like, this was something mm -hmm. that I looked at for maybe 10, 11 years. And like, it was the fucking same. Like I grew, I didn't grow, you know, I, I mean, I didn't grow much since then, but like what, what I looked at was like, my body was changing. Like I was putting on muscle and I was like, wow, like I'm able to transform my body. Like what else can I transform? Mm -hmm. You know, like that gave me the confidence uh, originally to, to continue like doing whatever the fuck I wanted to do in life. I was like, Oh, I can, I can do this. I can do that. I can do that. And it was just like uh, like a snowball, you know? Yeah. Yeah. What was your first uh, training tool? with uh, just like with, with fitness like what was your first like tool that you fell in love with 
so fitness wise, because of, because of the dojo, you know, um, we were always doing sit-ups and, uh, and push-ups, you know, like that was, that was key, you know, 200, 500, that, you know, whatever, whatever the master, grandmaster or sensei at the time, whatever they said, that's what we had to do. Um, but then once I got, I was 21, my mother purchased me a, a gym membership to this uh, gym called, remember Empire Sports, uh, yeah. Empire Gym? I used to have so, a membership there too. Okay, so Empire. And I was 21, I started working out. And what I loved, I, I loved to squat. I loved the, the leg press and the squat. And naturally, I was very strong, I guess, from all my years of uh, sports and just being active. And I really loved that. Like, my whole back workout was two plates in between my legs on a chain and pull-ups, you know, the whole thing. And I would do variations. And then after a couple of years, like, uh, typical or general bodybuilding training, you know, like isolated body parts, for me, it was, it was boring. You know, and I, I started doing, let's say, side planks and reverse rows on a cable machine. You know, I would do stuff like that to just kind of keep it interesting and, and not stale for me. And once I, my mind started becoming so creative that way, I, uh, I went outside to the park and I started doing more body weight and calisthenics strictly. And I said, let me give myself three months. Let's see what happens. You know, at the time I was like, ah, I don't want to lose strength. I don't want to lose size because for me at that time, aesthetics was, was big. I was younger. I was 23, 24 years old. And first of all, I didn't, I got stronger. I didn't lose any size. I went back to the gym and I still put up weight. I'm like, this is, this is incredible. How, how could I grow with this? Right. How, how could I continue to evolve? And before you know it, your mind, you know, it's just, it's racing and racing. And I was, I was, I was like, uh, looking for it. And it was just, you know, great, man. I'll tell you though, it's an art. battle. Yeah. Battle ropes though is one of my favorite uh, tools to use. Battle ropes is probably my favorite, and I have over a hundred and change exercises for battle ropes. Wow, yeah, battle, I mean, I love battle ropes. They're very uh, intense, to say the least. Yeah, definitely. Battle ropes paired with some kettlebells, you're good to go. Yeah, definitely, you're good to go. So, what was the? I, I know you said like fitness. Um, what was? the first process that you fell in love with of fitness no well, maybe not fitness but just like in life process like what was the first process that you fell in love with that you were like I'm, i just love doing this just because of this being able to do for me to become better and not in a selfish way because i know if i'm able to be better for me i'm able to be better for everyone and everything around me and i say that all the time um, I don't know if you know motivational speaker, Inky Johnson. Yeah, I'm familiar. So, yeah, Inky Johnson, great, great story. You know, we all have a story. He has an incredible story. I love the way he speaks because he speaks so powerful and so genuine. It's, it's right, right from here, right from the heart. Um, so he says, um, if you take care of somebody for the rest of your life, you know, higher power, anyone up above, you'll, they'll always make sure that you're taken care of. So I agree to, I agree with that in a sense that I know because I'm always trying to help people and do better. I know I'm putting myself first, but last, because I know in turn and last, I'll always be okay. I love it. 
So you're very entrepreneurial. I mean, you, right. you're, you're a fucking hustler. Uh, yeah. And I, I don't know, maybe that's like a unique, like New York thing. I don't really know too many people outside of New York that hustle like that. Like I, I remember like my first hustle was fucking selling Spice Girl lollipops when they were hot. Cause I knew yeah, a spot yeah. that didn't have them fucking sold out. So I would get boxes <laughs> and I would sell them. Um, I would Forex the profits when I was a kid. They were yeah, poor. Yeah. I would sell them for a dollar. <laughs> I'll tell you what though, in junior high school, there was this place, believe it or not, two blocks away from the gym where, where we have it now. And they used to sell gold plated jewelry. So I used to go there and buy the, the fake necklaces and sell it for double in junior high school. I love and it, it was, yeah, it was, it was kind of easy because, you know, they, they knew that it was fake and everything like that, but they, they wanted something and look cool and everything back then was flash. And this was, this was in junior high school. I so I, I, you know, I started, I started very young. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I mean, fuck. I remember I I mean, I started selling weed when I was 11. So right. it, that was right. That was junior high school. I think that was like 5th or 6th grade, like around about junior yes. high school. Yes. So at a certain point, like I mean, when you're 11, it's hard to get weed because like where who are you like <laughs> like what person in their right mind is yeah, going to yeah. sell you weed? You know? <laughs> but I yeah. I had a few sources, but at a certain point people were like I was the go-to guy in my junior high school for weed. And the thing is, I went to a fucking um I was in like a gifted and talented program in Huddy. I went to Huddy right. like SIG program and at a certain point I just I, I didn't have weed, so I started selling oregano but I wouldn't sell it in a bag. I would, I would, I would sell it rolled up already. I would roll up J's and sell them to, to people. And I feel bad. I felt bad. At, no, I probably didn't feel any, any remorse for a really long time. Um, because they would still get high because it was in their head. Like people told me they're yeah, like, yeah. Oh, that weed that you gave this girl got her really high. And I was like, that shit was oregano. Like she was not. <laughs> what, what did you progress into after the chains? So from there, um, I started working at, um, my mother's father started a jewelry business in the, in the exchange in Manhattan years ago. He passed, my grandmother took it over, and then my, my uncle then took it over, which is my mom's brother. I started working with him, and in the first year, I boosted his business uh, a little over 200K. Wow. So, and that was, you know, I started doing a lot of custom jewelry, you know, uh, and again, you, you get this because you're from Brooklyn, um, chains, crosses, medallions, diamonds, that was, that was all big, the, the flash. And the fact that someone could give me a picture and I could mold it and make it, it was big. So we start, I started doing that. I was still working at the bicycle business, um, in the, in the middle of buying and selling dirt bikes and motorcycles. And that's what it, it really went to because once I was old enough to ride a motorcycle at 17. You're starting to ride and see so many different people. It made it easy to say, hey, listen, I'll sell the, I, I didn't care what I had. I, I, yeah, I'll sell this. I, I turned the profit. I buy another one, buy another one, sell this. I had backup, you know? So it, it uh, that's, that's what really, you know, what it kind of went into. What, what, what do you, if you look back on it right now, like what was your driving force? for the hustle to be able to do it 
That's what it was. It wasn't, yeah, money is a driving component. And at that time, that's what, you know, drove me big time. But it was more the bragging rights for myself. Yeah, I sold that. Oh, shit, I got, to, how fast could I sell this? You know, and it was, it was great. Um, I'll tell how about this? So I'm a big sneaker head, right? I love sneakers. So I was getting engaged. I had to buy a home and all this other stuff. I had close to 300 pairs of sneakers. Um, you know, I had, had two cars, dirt bike. You know, I had all my, you know, toys and material stuff. I wound up selling to get a shitload of money. And you don't realize what you have. And I was, I was like, how fast could I do this? And I just wound up selling everything. You know, I love it. What kind of sneakers like J's and dunks? J's, dunks, SB's, uh, Air Force, um, Air Max at the time. I liked the Air Max. They're not, they weren't worth money then, but I liked them. You know, which Air Max so, 95s or 90s? I like the 95s. 90s, I like too. Um, then the they changed the 95s okay. a little, you know, yeah, you know, so <laughs> yeah, for sure. My favorite sneaker growing up. I grew up super poor, bro. Like I couldn't afford those kind of sneakers. Plus I had a little foot, so I couldn't like get all the fucking bubbles. You know, I could only yeah, get yeah. the one bubble <laughs> in the back. <laughs> but uh, the Pippins, uh, I, yes, love, yes. I love the Pippins. And then when I grew up, uh, when I grew up and I was able to afford it, um, I went to the store and put them on. And I was like, I can't wear this shit. They're fucking huge. Like they're enormous. They look like fucking um, like space boots. How the fuck yeah. am I going to wear these? But I still hold it deep in my heart that I really enjoyed the Pippins so much. <laughs> nice. That's crazy, bro. I mean, sneakerheads, that was a very um, common thing in uh, New York. That was actually one of the hustles that I did. I started ordering fake Jordans from China. Yes. It took some like, time to get them, but they came. Yeah, like Jordan 11s, uh, uh, 5s. I mean, some of those fakes, like the AAA fakes, they were legit like – like you would have to be like hardcore expert to really like tell the difference. And I right. was just like, these look great. Especially when they yeah. couldn't get them. You remember when they used to sell out super fast people like fucking iPhone. It was like the iPhone back in the day. Now it's uh, you know, I mean, before people waiting on lines and stuff, I mean, there's still sneakers, still big business. You know, it might be bigger than ever right now. It might be bigger right. than ever. Yeah. I think you're right. I mean, they had those like dunk pigeons. You remember the dunk pigeons? I think they sell for yeah. like tens of thousands of dollars, bro. It was crazy. Easy. There's a pair of Air Force Ones, Levi's. Levi Air Force Ones, they're like pink and, and, and blue. They go for 14, 1500, you know. Wow. I mean, it's crazy. Yeah. It's crazy. And they hold their value too. So like people don't, like Gary Vee talks about that kind of stuff all the time where he talks about like car, like baseball cards, like foot, like sports cards. Um, toys like all that shit it holds value because mm -hmm. it's a weird investment that people don't think about very true very true so what is some advice like somebody starting out young man lives in an urban city like what is some advice that you have for them um in the entrepreneurial space or even the life space i would say in life i always say if you're disciplined you'll be consistent right? Because it's on, it's on those days, those moments that you don't feel like doing anything. And if you don't, that's where the discipline doesn't kick in to allow you to be consistent, right? So discipline drives consistency. And anything that you do, 
Be passionate about it, right? Love it. Love it with everything. If you're not going to love it, what's the point? You know, like for me, I'm, you know, owning a gym and still continuing to train martial arts. If I didn't love either of those two, what, what is the point of me doing it at all? So the bicycle business I sold last summer, right? I didn't love it. And let me tell you something. I couldn't be happier, happier, you know, minus, you know, the, the loss of the loss of income. I don't care. I would do it 10 times over because the amount of happiness I, that I got from not having it is, is outweighs everything. Um, so that's, that's for life in general, for, for business entrepreneurial wise. Right. I would say if you're going to start a business, right. Have the business open before the business is open. And what I mean by that is, and, and I'm talking down to the smallest detail, making sure the emails work, making sure every click on the website's clickable, make sure that you have your, your pen. You want pens with your name on it? Fine. Then, then so be it. Have pens with your name on it, but make sure you have it, right? So that this way, in your house, your apartment, wherever you're living, have everything set up for your business. Now, the only thing that you need to do, you find a spot, a place to open up, if that's the case, or a warehouse. Guess what? After your lease, you're open, you know, minus some renovations and whatever else you, you might, may or may not do, but at least the business is live and open. So that, that's always a key, a key thing that, that I try and encourage anyone to do. Yeah, get you fucking know. started. <clears throat> yeah. Get started. And, and don't, you know, obviously take everyone's advice into consideration. And it's not to say don't let this one influence you or that one. Take it all into consideration. If you like it, great. If you don't like it, throw it in the garbage or revisit it later. I like to revisit it because at times, like, I may not be hot about the idea or what they said. I may revisit it in two days and it may smack me in the face and make total sense. Yeah. So take everyone's advice into consideration and go from there. You know, have, have, really have an open mind. But don't hesitate to go balls to the wall, full throttle, if you really feel it. So someone tells you, you know, eight, eight out of 10 people tell you, no, it's not going to work. That would be fuel for me to, to make sure that I do it. Now I was putting a, a juice bar in, in the bicycle store and I can't tell you, you know, a couple people were like, Oh, it's stupid. It's not going to work. I said, thank you. That's all. That's all I needed to hear. You know, last week I'm playing handball with, uh, with doc and, and Patsy, two on one, of course. And Patsy says, "You two goes, against Patsy, right?" Yeah, imagine. <laughs> <laughs> so he goes. Patsy goes. There's no way you're winning again. I said, "Thank you," because that's all I needed to hear. So whatever, whatever they could find to fuel them, you know. I know MJ, Michael Jordan. I don't know if uh, you saw the last. I, dance. I didn't watch it, but we have we share the same birthday. Um, I, I, I totally, it? February 17th. Well, he shares a birthday with you, right? That's what yeah. you're saying. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, of course. <laughs> but of, of course. course, but of course. So he would always find a motive for him, right? Something that would, would fuel him. So whatever that may be, then so be it, but find it, use it, whatever, whatever, whatever it is, just, just do it, get it done. 
Yeah, tap into that darkness. Yes. Let it let it fuel let it fuel your victory. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I get it, bro. I get it. I mean, uh, uh, I don't know if you're familiar with the Enneagram test. It's a personality test. It's like an ancient personality test that they used in like no. Egypt. They say ancient Babylon, ancient Korea. Um, some Jesuit Christians use it. And there's nine personality types. And there's one personality type. It's a type eight. And they all have specific needs that are like unconscious. So the type eight has a need to go against. Like that's the fuel. Um, yes. Martin Luther King, uh, Stephen Hawking, um, like, like crazy, like, um, like Albert Einstein, like game changers. I wouldn't be surprised if you are a very extreme eight as well. I am too. <laughs> I'm not too far off. I, I, I'll say that at the very I, least. I smell something. I yeah, smell yeah. something, bro. But <laughs> it, it's intense. All right. So what are the, like, the top three mistakes that you see some of your students making um, or some of the people in your life that, that they're making? And not just like they're make, everybody makes mistakes, but like yeah. what are the mistakes that they're making over and over and over again where it becomes a habit? Close-minded. That's one. Close-minded, right? So if um, if you're telling me that you went through this and and you did that and you know whatever the case is, and I go ahead and want to do it the same way, I should learn from from your mistakes too as well, you know. And obviously, there's there's a balancing scale with that depending on the situation and the circumstance. But I mean, if it's if it's almost written in stone, you should really take it as what it is. And say, okay, thank you for making a mistake for both of us. I can move forward, you know? So you save time. Sometimes you save money, right? And um, the, the experience just in general. Um, so that, that's one, one big thing. Um, another mistake is health. People don't take care of themselves. And if you're not, if you're not remotely healthy, I say it all the time, your input is your output, right? So if, you're, if your input to you, and I'm talking physically and mentally, right, stimulating your mind and your body, but it, that's not going to allow you to, to be able to output what you want, right? Because I say it, if you, if you eat good, you'll feel good, you perform good. But if you eat like shit, you're going to feel like shit, and you're going to perform like shit, right? So it's like if, you, if you're going into a – uh, BJJ tour tournament, right? You're not going to eat garbage, right? Or you're not going to train less. At that point, you got to be more focused and you have to be more on. So why, why waste the time? Why? Because you're not training for something. So it's okay to slack off. I get it. You want to live and have a life. Yeah. But, but balance that too. Don't go over the edge with it. Really have, have a good balance between it all. Um, yeah, life is a performance. Whether you're with yeah. your lady or with you're in a BJJ tournament or playing handball, like you got to be prepared. You don't know when uh, absolutely when that when that tap comes where it's like, oh, it's time to go. Absolutely. Fuck, Fuck I should yeah. eat all that fucking pizza from L and B's this morning. L and B, great, great pizza. Great fucking. Yeah, so those those would be um, those would be like the two biggest things that I could really put my finger on and say it right away 
for sure. What does your daily life look like? Like, I know you have a lot of stuff going on all the time. Like, yeah. What does your daily life look like? So the mornings, um, I like to exercise in the morning. It's a jump start to my day. I do some meditating, some breathing exercises in the morning as well before that. Um, I like to, to drink a tall glass of warm water with some pink Himalayan salt and a half a lemon squeezed in it just to jumpstart my system, right? That starts my morning with the workout. And then just about as I'm getting home, I get to see my wife and my son, whether we have breakfast, hang out, or, or do what, whatever we're doing, we get to uh, start our day from there. Um, obviously now because of COVID, right? Before I would be teaching some, some classes throughout the days or, or um, you know, training some clients. And I, I'm doing a little bit of it now. It was just more then. But even so, it's still a part of my day. I love it. Um, I have my, my clients, right, that I coach, whether through email, through text, through um, what else? Uh, FaceTime, of course. Everybody, like, like Zoom, right? Everyone's on Zoom. Um, so that would be really, really more or less the, the heart of it. And then I read every other night and I write every other night, which is also like therapy. For sure. What time yeah. do you usually go to bed? 11 and 12. What time do you usually wake up? Anywhere between five and seven. So depending on what I have during that day. So I know if, let's say I have some clients in the morning or, I, or my day has to get started earlier, I'll go to bed at 11, I'll wake up five. But if I know my day is getting started late, I'll go to bed at 12. I'll wake up at six. I love it. Yeah. I love it. What does your training look like nowadays? So training, I make sure, you know, the two most important things that I feel are, is, is your core, right? And your, your legs, right? Your foundation. Those are your two parts of your body that help you perform with every other thing that's going on. So I like to make sure I get one day of legs, one day of full abs. And then throughout the rest of the, the rest of the week, I'm doing a lot of body weight, a lot of high intensity training, sleds, AstroTurf, uh, monkey bars, rings, kettlebells, sledgehammers, um, a lot of burpees, of course. And within all of that, I'm always doing some type of legs and some type of abs. So like, let's say you're doing your chest, right? So you do, you're hitting your shoulders slightly, you're hitting your arms slightly. So when you're doing separated uh, body parts, right, um, you're able to hit other, other parts of your body. So years ago, I said, why not hit legs and abs all the time in a different way that you don't do it on, on the days that you just focus on it because it's part of your foundation. Yeah, they start so, to recover a lot faster for sure. The legs exactly. For sure. What does your food intake nowadays look like? As far as calorie wise or just in general? Just in general, like do you eat any specific diet or No. No, I don't follow I'm not I don't I don't really feel I don't believe in like diet or in a sense like I don't label it that way. It just would be my, my lifestyle, my eating. Chicken, fish, vegetables, fruits, protein, you know, good fats. And I'm I'm eating all day, seven six, seven meals a day, depending on how, how it goes. You know, I like to have three meals, three snacks. Sometimes it goes into four snacks, three meals every two and a half to three hours. And in between, so let's say breakfast, snack, lunch, snack, dinner, snack. I love it. So I love it. Yeah. What are you doing nowadays for leisure? Um, one of the, the biggest things that I do is, you know, um, 
my wife and my son. You know, that's what really keeps me motivated uh, in probably every single way that you could probably think of. Um, like, let's say whether we're going to apple picking or, or we're going uh, blueberry picking or we're going to this, to this park or whatever the case is. So, you know, a lot of that is fun. Obviously, playing handball with, with Ian is always fun. My wife played basketball for, for, for college. And wow. my son plays. We, we coach one of his teams. He plays on two different teams. So we play that a lot. I, I teach my son um, how to work out. I teach him some martial arts, too, as well, when he's not giving me a hard time to learn. But we do that as well. So That's the thing I'm, with kids. That's the thing with sheltered kids. Um, they don't, they don't feel like they need to learn martial arts. Cause like they don't have the experiences that we had growing up. Cause like, yeah. you know, there's a quote actually that I think about. It's like, um, hard times make strong men, strong men make weak men, weak men make hard times, hard times make strong men. And it becomes like this cycle. And it's, it's such a weird balancing act because as fathers, we want to give our kids what we didn't have. But yes, what we didn't have made us who we are. So it's like this weird, like game, almost that it's like trying to figure out like, how, how do I make this work? <laughs> how do I, I know. Make, without the trauma? How do I make this work? Yes. Without the yes. Trauma? <laughs> yes. Yes, very true. Wow. But you know what I like, I like the martial arts aspect just because of the, uh, the discipline that's involved. And more so for the confidence, right? And there's always someone better, not bigger, because it doesn't matter. There's big people, there's small people, it doesn't matter, right? And now, and you know it, we're, you know, how, how tall are you, Rome? Like 5'4", maybe? 5'4", and you, you've rolled with how many great people and, Some of the you know, best conquered. in the world ever. Right, exactly. Whether you learn lessons, whether you taught lessons with it, there's, there's, it goes without saying. So the confidence that it gives you, right? and that I still carry with me is amazing because that that's, that's where it's at. So I want my son and my wife to be able to walk with and feel that much better than the average. Yeah. Right. So if we're, if we're in, even, you know, walking around, like my, my head is on a swivel and not because we teach the self-defense or, it's just, I'm, I'm aware. I'm not paranoid. I'm just aware of my surroundings and everything going on. Yeah. I'm um, not scared. I'm aware. Those are different things. Like it's I, a big I difference, know what right. could happen and I know I'm prepared for a lot of things that could happen. Maybe not everything, but a lot of things that could happen. Um, right. One of the things that I, I think about when you say that, like, yeah, it, but it transfers over to everything. I've been in business meetings. I've been in business events. I've, um, I've worked on deals that were, for me, like big money deals, and maybe I didn't have confidence there, but I knew I can kill most of the people in the room. So that gave me confidence. You know what I mean? So it's like yes. choosing to pull confidence from those places because regardless of what, what society looks like right now, we're only a snap of the fingers away where that's important again. Yes. Like it's, it's only not important to defend yourself um, when it's not important to defend yourself. But there's a, there's a moment, there's a moment, you know, there, it goes back to the quote is like, I'd rather be a, a warrior in the garden than a gardener at war. I like that. You know, like I'd rather like be that. ready. Yeah. You know? So yeah. I love it. I'll tell you what. So 
we were going to teach a self-defense seminar. This was about a couple months before COVID started, right? So maybe in January, January, December, anyway. So as there's three of us going to teach a seminar and we get out of the car, we have our bags, you know, with, with our geese and some weapons and stuff like that in it. So there's a guy across the street. He has, do you remember the club, the device, yeah. right? You put on a steering wheel to prevent somebody from stealing the car, right? Those hit really so, hard. Yeah. So a guy had a club on his, on the trunk of his taxi cab. I'm like, wow, this is, this is odd. One, I, I've, I'm, I haven't seen a, a club in a very, very long time. And we were in Manhattan. We were, that's where the seminar we were, uh, was being hosted. So now we, we're about two cars behind him. We walk on a sidewalk, right? Now, as we get on the sidewalk, there's someone behind us with a big, big umbrella. It looked like a parachute umbrella, but you couldn't see because he was dipping it down and it, it wasn't even raining, right? It had rained, but it had stopped. So it was a little, little odd. So we're like, no problem. The guy with the club winds up going on the sidewalk, still has the club in his hand. Now he's in between, he's in back of us, and the guy with the umbrella is in back of him. So now we look at each other. We're like, did you see that? We're like, of course we saw it, right? So now, like what we teach is you feel someone's behind you, cross the street. That's all. They cross the street, run. <laughs> it's very simple. We teach for the opening, right? And to never look back. Obviously, once in the event that something does happen, then we teach the, the actual physical part of it. So now we go to cross the street. The guy with the club crosses the street. The guy with the umbrella disappears. But as we didn't see it, but he disappeared under scaffolding, which we later saw when we crossed back. So the guy with the club wind up going to another taxi cab and putting that club on that taxi cab. So it was just, you know, was it coincidence that that happened? Um, I feel it was. I don't think um, he was trying to, to do anything, but you never know, right, in, in Manhattan, New York City. But it was just odd that we were going to a self-defense seminar, and there were two just from right there, and we were on that block. So we crossed the street to get on the same side. We crossed back, and he crosses the same part, and the other guy disappears. So anyway, my point is just, just to be aware, right? Not, not afraid, 100%. aware. A hundred percent. Now that I'm living on the West coast, like in Nevada, everybody's got right. guns out here, bro. And people act a lot less weird when everybody's got guns. You know, like there's a lot more crazy people when people know that like nobody has a gun, like in New York, yeah. like you have to, you have to be a criminal to be carrying a gun. And nowadays yes. there's like, I mean, nowadays there's maybe more criminals, but before there was like a gap where there was just like, New York was really fucking safe. There's like a 10 year period probably where New York was just like totally different than the way I grew up and you grew up. Like it was just like relatively safe before yeah, that. We had a good stretch. Yeah. Now it's the other, now it's going in the other direction <laughs> a little bit, but yeah, yeah. Yeah. Maybe, maybe after the, um, maybe after the elections, maybe it'll go back to normal. We'll see. Yes. Yes. All right. Now I got some lightning round questions for you. Um, yeah. let's do it. If you weren't a trainer and an entrepreneur, what would you be? What would I be? My wife asked me a couple of times throughout COVID, right? Because with the way the world is, with the way that, especially in New York City, with gyms not, allow, not allowed to be open and stuff like that, what else would you do? 
And I said, I don't know. I said, well, what do you think? She's like, I'm not sure, right? So what I think I would do, right, as of now, I would, I would guest speak where I'm still able to help people in a different way. I'm still able to motivate people in a different way, you know, and still continue to do the, the same thing that, that I'm doing now just in a different form. I love it. So, What is one thing that you would love to upload into the minds of everyone in the world? Discipline. Discipline. Big time. What, what is one book that you would recommend or that you do recommend for people to read like over and over again? Like when you think about it, like the one book. Besides Wahoo's in life, right? Well, we besides all have Wahoo's own shit. in life, yeah. I mean, besides. Um, I mean, that's for sure the number one and then the number yeah. two, I guess. I think one book, because there, there's so many, but one book that comes to mind right now is uh, The Way of the Peaceful Warrior by Dan Millman. I love it. Yeah, I think that's a book that anyone at any age could take something with them and hold and use for the rest of their lives. Yeah, it so plants especially, like a deep seed almost, it feels like. Yes, and for people that were in a dark place, it would really, really shed some light in their life. Yeah, amazing book, great choice. Yeah. What is your favorite cheat meal? I love sweets, I love yeah. sweets. What's yeah. your favorite sweets, bro? Um, you know what I love? I love chocolate chip cookies. Nice. Which ones? There's um, yeah. There's a there's a store. They have about five locations here. A company called uh, Chip, New York City. Chip NYC. Yeah, they're great cookies. I love them. <laughs> <laughs> so when you sit down to eat these cookies, how many cookies would you eat on a cheat meal? Besides the fact that they're probably around the size of a softball, I could easily have five or six. I love before, it, bro. Before I get home. That's just a car ride home. <laughs> I love it, bro. What a savage. Uh, yes. I love pancakes, too. Pancakes yeah. are big. My son makes them, too, which is awesome. We, uh, we taught him years ago. Wow. So, yeah, I've, been, I've yeah. been munching on some blueberry pancakes this week. So Nice. Exciting. I like, uh, um, my friend makes them. Uh, with the fresh blueberries so like after like when you're eating them the blueberries pop in your mouth oh it's awesome it's nice it's like uh like those gushers remember gusher candies yeah yeah it's like wow, a gusher gushers. bro it's like a blueberry oh gusher pancake, bro. <laughs> gushers. Uh. what is an ice cream combination that you would invent are you an ice cream guy i love ice cream too perfect love it so what My, would, uh like an ice cream combination that maybe you haven't seen yet that you would like love to have. Tell you what. So my friends, Corey and Tommy, they opened up a place called milk and cream bar. It's on Mott street. They have a couple locations. Now they've invented ice cream combined with cereal and candy. Mm. A couple of, and they, they just did a, a teenage mutant Ninja turtle pizza uh thing that was i didn't get a chance to try it yet but it was pretty pretty cool uh combination pretty cool company um i mean i love them they're great friends of mine so anyone listening i would really advise them to check it out but if i had to create a 
combination of of an ice cream i would say chocolate vanilla cookies oreos chocolate chips and chocolate sprinkles combined in one i love it that sounds awesome and 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 cookie dough oh of course how can you forget yeah. the cookie dough bro if yeah. you were food what type of food what what food would you be I was a food. What kind of, what type of food I would be? That's a tough one. What's the most handsome food that you can come up with? <laughs> <laughs> so an all around hunk type of food is what you're saying. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> like a brush. Um, a brush. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I would say, I would say a piece of chicken. It's light. It's lean moves when it has to move um yeah i love it you know simple yeah yeah simple. simple would it be seasoned with anything or just or like or like bodybuilder style like just warm <laughs> just warm yeah all warm warm it's protein where's my protein <laughs> <laughs> brown rice and chicken bro all right so if you were an animal what kind of animal would you be if i was an animal I like the way that a tiger is just because of its ability to jump, hunt, and really stay away in a sense. But the agility of a tiger is, is what is attractive for me in a sense. It's, uh, I would say, athletic ability, right? Um, you know, or, you know, they remind me more of a lioness, but a lioness is not, not as agile as a tiger in my eyes. For sure. So. I love it. All right. Yeah. Now, this is the pre-frame. You're dying. Yeah. You are dying. What is your right. last meal? My last meal? Yeah. Whatever I would have for dinner that day. Oh, simple. Because I would, I would stay on schedule. I love it. You know, I would still, I would still give hope to myself that it's still going to be fine and I'll still make it through. I love it. Last experience. Yeah. And with who? My wife and my son. What would you do? Laying in bed, watching a movie. Which That's movie? Joanne's favorite, favorite place in the whole world. Us three laying down together. What movie? Hmm. Give me, give me a, give me a genre first i don't i don't know like la yesterday i watched cloud atlas bro i don't know if you've ever seen it but amazing no amazing i loved it I, but i just watched the cobra kai season one and season two did you watch it, it no i haven't seen it was, it. it was pretty good you know you have to watch it daniel son <laughs> <laughs> um what movie i love the movie troy okay same Right or like Gladiator, Gladiator love those movies Troy like that. Three hundred. Yes. Um, or, you know, we could go. We could go right to old school. You know, something funny, something like that. Something, one of those. I love it. With. I love it. All right, last piece of advice. Like you're dying. Like you, you want to give like your last speech, your last piece of advice. What would it be? Just keep moving forward. It's not the end. There's no way. There's no. There's no end after this. I'm gonna keep moving forward. It's gonna be the. It's gonna be better. 
And that's why you got to go. I love it. Last line on your tombstone. Love everything that you do and everyone around you. And if you don't get rid of it, you know, if they could shorten that up somehow. Yeah. Love everyone and everything. Yeah. I you love need it. love in your life. Otherwise you'd be too angry. You'll, you'll, you'll never live the right way. Sure. You know, yeah, right? I definitely know. <laughs> yeah. I definitely know. Where can people find out more about you? Where can people um, find your book? Where can people yeah. train with you if they want to train with you? If they want to reach me, they can reach me across all social media platforms and my website, I am Anthony Espo, or the website, I am Anthony Espo.com. Uh, I have links to my book on there. You can go right on Amazon. You can buy it. If you're listening to this, I will send you a book for free. Ooh. So please contact me. Um, and of course, the gym, right? Badass Academy. Love to see you guys down there. And if you're remote, I'd love to work with you remote. I love it. All right. Now, what do you, like, is there anything else that you want to tell the listeners? Uh, something maybe I didn't ask, something that uh, wasn't said yet. Find a woman or better half of your dreams. Have a child or two or three so you can live with them. And they could both or whoever else is in your life give you life in a different way that you won't experience, especially the children. You'll be able to relive through them and with them and have a lot of love in your life. Wow. Powerful, bro. Powerful. Hits home for me and I'm yeah. sure a huge percentage yes. of people in the United States at this point right now. Yep. Uh, bro, thank you. I appreciate you so much. I'm sure the listeners appreciate you. I'd love to have you back on again. I'm sure we'll have a million other things to talk about. You only yes. ate like fine wine. So you would just be even more handsome on the next visit. <laughs> Rome, I, I can't tell you how much uh, I appreciate it. And uh, I love podcasts like this because it's real. It's raw. And especially us coming, being from being that we grew up, born and raised in Brooklyn makes it that much better so thank you thank you brother thank you i appreciate you have a beautiful weekend and um yeah man i love you thank you thanks man i love you too Ciao, I'll see you later for listening to the Alchemy of Self podcast. If you resonate with our message, please show us some love by hitting the subscribe button and giving us a like. You can also visit our website at www.romza.com to continue your journey of self-discovery and keep up with our latest offerings. With love and harmony from all of us at the Alchemy of Self podcast. <laughs>